Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Mary Beth Kuzmaski. Today I'm interviewing Judy Hoberman. She is president of Selling in a Skirt, and she's created a suite of workshops, seminars, and coaching programs that essentially take the negativity out of selling. I love the name of her company, and I'm so excited to have her speak with us today. Welcome, Judy. Thank you so much. I am super excited to be here. Couldn't wait for today to get here. Yay! So tell me, what is Selling in a Skirt? Well, originally, I was trying to figure out a name that would resonate with people. And since I come from the financial industry and I come from sales and I am female, I thought, okay, selling and I wear a skirt. And that's how it actually started. But skirt is really an acronym. So it has nothing to do with the article of clothing. So you have to be careful how you brand yourself. (laughs) Exactly. And so what does skirt stand for? So the S is for standing out. We live in this very noisy world. So how do you make yourself more unique and why should people want to do business with you? The K is keys to success. And every one of us has something special about us. How do we take that up to the next level? The I is inspiration. Are you inspiring? Do you need inspiration? What gets you going in the morning? And where are your core values and goals in alignment in that piece? The R is results. And no matter what anybody thinks, sales is all about results. And then T is the big one, male, female, young, old, it doesn't matter. It's about time management because we all struggle with that at some point or another. Awesome. So I know that in your work and even the name of your company, Selling in a Skirt, there's um, there's this video out that it's an advertisement by Always, that brand Always, and it's called Like a Girl. And Have you seen that video? I see all of them. I love, love, love those because they're really showing that women are not just a pretty face. Well, exactly. And I love that as well. I, I recently taught a class at Columbia and I showed them that. And it's sort of like they're looking around at each other going, oh my gosh, because their perceptions also were were sort of, our perceptions get mixed up in all of this. And I'm assuming that this happens in sales and this happens when we're hiring a salesperson. This happens when we're a woman who is trying to sell something. So talk about how you know you see this perception of what a woman perhaps is and what she actually is and how that sort of actualizes in the sales field. You know, it's, it's really interesting that you asked that, Mary Beth, because my tagline is women want to be treated equally, not identically. And so if you really think about that, we just want the same opportunities that our male counterparts have and let us do it in a, you know, in the feminine way that we want to do it. Now, I'm not saying that every woman is girly girl because we're not. And women are aggressive and women are ambitious. But we have so many inherent feminine qualities that we bring to the table. And sometimes what happens is you walk into an interview or you go to sell something or you have an appointment and people look at you and in a nanosecond, they make a judgment about you. You're You're too young, you're too pretty, you're too old, you're not, whatever it is. And so they bring that into the appointment, to the meeting, to the interview, to your career. And you have to try to, I don't want to say fight it out, but you really do have to duke it out sometimes and let people know that you are intelligent, you know what you're doing. And a lot of times what happens is we don't say what we really want to say. We don't stand up for what we really want to stand up for until the meeting's over, until the interview is over. And that's all about the, you know, the negotiation part and getting your voice and all of that. And that's been around for years and years and years. 
but today it's more like she's doing it like a girl. Well, what does that mean, like a girl? And somebody actually put something out and said, you say I throw like a girl. If you try harder, you can too. So <laughs> they're trying to, you know, swap it around just a little bit. Right. Well, I mean, there still is that perception and I see it happening all the time. I see it sometimes happening to me. But if you're aggressive as a woman, you get sometimes categorized as as something negative, right? And so if, if someone doesn't want to be categorized that way, how do you suggest they deal with that? Do to be aggressive, but not to really be aggressive or not to be, I don't know. Well, you don't have to necessarily be aggressive and be, you know, like a bully about it. You can be aggressive by showing that you are intelligent by giving somebody some amazing ideas or, you know, a concept or whatever it is. And, and so that really helps you to show that you're aggressive or you're doing something that's strategic. So somebody asks you a question and you can say, you know, here's something that I, I can point out and show something that shows that you have the ability to do strategic thinking. Now, there was, um, I think it was a survey or something that I was listening to. I can't remember where it came from, but the, the woman that was talking about it said she went into a company, it was all executive women, and all of them complained that they were either the B word because they were too aggressive or they were like the wallflower. So she said to them, I want you to use the word strategy in whatever you're talking about. It doesn't matter what it is. Use the word strategy. And so all these women started using the word strategy. So here it is, you know, here, Mary Besto, the strategy for this would be, it doesn't matter. All of a sudden, not only did people hear that you were using the word and really had those amazing intellectual thoughts, but you started feeling more confident because people were looking at you differently. So, it's, I mean, words matter. So it really depends on how you're saying them. That's a great insight. I love that because you know, you want your voice to be heard. And sometimes, for instance, if you're, and I, I hear this from women um, all the time, they're in a boardroom and you know, they're the only woman that's in there and they're not allowing the women to talk. They're talking over her or something like that. And so in order to fight back on that, um, you need to have a way to come across so that it's not like you're trying to be too aggressive, like listen to me or something. But but I like that using strategy and talking about the things in just a little different way. So I, I like that. Um, so I know in 2016, you did a TEDx talk on prejudging people. Can you talk a little bit about that and about how that happens and how we can avoid doing that ourselves? It was probably one of the best things I've ever done, the scariest things I've ever done, and um, the most personal thing I've ever done, because it is about me. It is about being prejudged my entire life and how I had to overcome some of the challenges, because when you're prejudged, like I said before, you have to kind of like fight your way out of it. And people used to look at me and they would say, well, why do you need this training? Look at you. You've got it all together. Where inside, I didn't have anything together. But because I showed up and I was dressed well or whatever, people naturally assumed that I didn't need anything. I was, you know, I was the it girl. And what happens is there's studies shown that, that in like maybe a point two second, you have made a judgment without even realizing what you've done. And the interesting part about that is there was someone else that was doing a TED Talk with me. She was a couple of speakers after me. And the day before we had a dress rehearsal and she said to me, not ever hearing my talk, she said to me, why are you here? And I said, well, it's a dress rehearsal. We are going to run through everything. And she said, why do you need that? Look at you. You're all put together. That's exactly what she said to me. 
Hmm. And I, I asked her if she was going to listen to my talk, and she said yes. And I said, okay, after I speak, will you let me know what you think? And when I was done, she came up to me and she apologized. She said, I didn't even realize I did that, but that's what we do. So you have a candidate that comes into your office. You look at them, and in a second, you're, or less than a second, you think, too old, too young, out of the financial world for too many years, doesn't know this, whatever, you know, has no social skills. You haven't even spoken to the person yet, and you've already made this judgment. So what we have to do is we have to take a step backwards and we have to say, I have to give this person a chance. It doesn't necessarily have to be culture or race or religion. That's only part of it. Those are the judgments that we all make all the time without even knowing about it. It's everything added on to that. So you just have to be a little bit more careful and a little bit more conscious of what you're doing. And even in my talk, I said, I know that some of you already made judgments about all the speakers and probably me. So before you leave, you have to correct that. You have to go back and you have to say, so Mary Beth, when I saw you when you were wearing red, I thought you were like the, the most aggressive woman ever. And really, when I talked to you, you weren't like that at all. So you know what I'm saying? So we yeah. do that without even thinking about it. Yeah. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called Blink about that topic, uh -huh. right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think we all do it. And I think we can't stop ourselves from doing it. What we can stop ourselves from is taking action on it or, or we can think it. it's going to happen. It's just something is going to happen where we're going to make some kind of a judgment, but we can always step that back. We can always think through it in a little different way. And um, I think that makes, I mean, it makes a lot of sense and it happens to women all the time. All the time all the time. Your hair is too long, so you must be, you know, not doing this or, or you're overweight, so you must be lazy or whatever it is. And it's just not true. Or you look at a woman who's in her 50s or 60s and you think, yeah, she's not uh, up on technology. She, yeah, she's probably not going to be good. Or you look at somebody, you know, you look at millennials and you go, oh, they're probably entitled. You have this in your head because you, that's all you've ever heard. And yet when you talk to them, you realize that they are amazing. And boy, would that be a great addition to your team. Yeah, you have to just check yourself and give people the, yeah. the chance as opposed to the first impression, which is your own impression. It's not even you haven't even allowed them to give an impression yet for the most part. That's right. That's right. That's that's the sad part. That's the real sad part. So there's a lot of diversity initiatives that are out there. I mean, every large corporation, you and I both do work in the financial industry. Every organization has a diversity initiative. I know you've worked on some of them. What are you doing differently because they haven't worked? So what what do you what do you do when you go in and consult on that? What do we need to think about differently if they're all failing? So we must the diversity initiatives must not be working. So what do we do different? Well, I think the first thing is that you really want to have make this work. You really want it. You just don't want to say it because it's the buzzword or it's the numbers or whatever. So you, first you have to really want it. And I always hear, you know, people say to me, oh, come in and help me recruit people, recruit women or whatever. And when I ask them why, they go, well, you know, we really should have more women. It, it's not because they're bringing things, something to the table that's different. It's just, we should have women. That's what the buzzword is. So the first thing is you have to really want it. The second thing is I always tell my clients, I said, if you were driving up to your office, close your eyes, and what would you feel like when you first walked in? Because there's the environment. And sometimes it doesn't feel like it's a safe environment. The culture, you have to make sure it's somewhat inviting. And I'm not saying that, you know, it has to, you have to have flowers on the table or have, you know, curtains on the windows. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about culture where it's inviting, where you walk in and people say hello to you. I have a client, when I walk in to do a session with them, 
there's not one person that turns around and says hello. And there's like 10 of them sitting there, not one. And I tell them every week, I said, you already know me, but imagine a new client walking in and nobody even says hello. So it has to be somewhat inviting. And then you also have to learn communication. Like, why are these people showing up? What is it that they want? Ask them why they're there. Ask them what they're looking for. Where is their, you know, what's their journey going to look like? And then help them get there. So, you know, we talk about diversity and inclusion, and yet we're not really doing anything different. We're not. Because if I ask companies, are you doing anything different to try to get more women in or get more millennials in? They'll go, no, no, it should be the best candidate, which is true. But if you're searching for millennials or you're searching for women, you have to go where they are in order to bring them in. So it's just a couple little tweaks. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, if women do not feel in this case, you know, we're talking about women, but if women do not feel like they're included, they they won't perform well. I, I've done actual academic level research on this, if they don't feel like they are included, if they don't feel like they belong, they have a low likelihood of um, performing. And if they have a low likelihood of performing, they're not going to stick around very long. And if they don't stick around very long, then we can't have them as role models to, you know, join that organization. And it's, you know, it's an interesting thing because it's not hard to make someone feel like they're included. That, that's not the hard part. It never has been, but it has been something that culturally is just not, people just don't think about it, I guess. Um, and in some cases, in some organizations, they do. But I totally agree with you that it has to be, you know, from the top down, that they actually have to want it for the right reasons. And then it probably will take hold. And I think that there's just all this talk, well, there's no women at this firm and there's no, you know, there's not enough women at this firm and there's only 15% of, you know, in this industry. And so we have to change that. But the question is, why would we change it? And then when we figure out why we would change it, we might actually want to do it more than just looking at the numbers. So I think you're exactly, exactly right about just tweaking some things and thinking about it differently. Yeah. And I, I know they already have a really good basis and they're already successful with, if we are bringing women in, they're already successful with men. So whatever you're doing for the men, continue to do. You're still going to bring more men in. But what about the women? Okay. It's not the same exact thing. I've done um, seminars for Monster and you know a lot of recruiting firms and they're asking why they're not getting women in. And sometimes it's as simple as the words on their ads that are very male-centric. And again, you and I just said that women are ambitious and women can be aggressive, but you don't want to see that in an ad. You don't. You don't want to see that. You want to see, you know, collaboration and you want to see teamwork and you want to see advancement and training and, you know, a home. So again, it's sometimes it's the words and that's really easy to change. Well, and that's exactly the same way um, I was just speaking with a firm today about recruiting millennials. And mm -hmm. they were they're talking about how they have to change their words because they want collaboration and they want teamwork and they want to work together. They're not necessarily attracted by the same things that, for instance, a baby boomer who was attracted to 20, 30 years ago when they were getting into sales or something like that were attracted to. It's just different. Right. And so we just have to think about those words that that are good words for both women, millennials, and just whomever it is that you're trying to attract. Absolutely. And sometimes you just have to do a little bit of research, you know, and, and find out what it is that somebody's looking for or why. It's the same thing. When I, when I used to, when I was a managing partner for insurance and I would have somebody that wanted to be promoted, I would say, tell me why you want this position. That's the first thing I would ask is the why. 
And if the first thing they said was either money or leverage somebody else's time, I would not promote them. Hmm. Because that's not the reason that you do that. Those are the byproducts. And so I always listen. It's the same thing when you bring people in. When you bring, you know, somebody's coming in for an interview. Why are you here? You know, what, what is it about this company that brought you in? And you listen. And, you know, and, and it's the same thing. You just have to listen to what people are saying. And that's going to change some of the culture as well, because you'll hear what people need and want. And that's what people have to be open for. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you've written several books. Um, do you want to talk about, I know you've written a book, interestingly enough, called Selling in a Skirt, which, yes. Yep. But talk about, you know, what are the books that people should, you know, if they want more information on this, that they should be thinking about? And, and also, how can they reach you? Okay, so the selling in a skirt was my original book, and that's you know thirty years of sales and how men and women sell together, communicate together, and so on. And and that was always my favorite. That was my baby. And so a lot of people buy, it and a lot of people call me and say, "Oh my God, I see myself in this." So that's always cool. Um, my other book, Famous Isn't Enough, is every mistake I made as an entrepreneur. And mm. I made more mistakes than you could possibly imagine. And in the book, I say to you, okay, here's what I did. If you want to do it, that's fine. But I'm telling you, it doesn't work. So I try to give you the, uh, you know, the, the tough love kind of stuff. So that was always fun. Um, pure Wealth was a compilation book. It was 25 other women. And we were talking about pure wealth. Like, what does that mean to you? And again, you're going to have people that say money and possessions. And then you have people that say something totally different. So that was pretty cool. And I have a new book coming out and it should be being released. I'm going to say September, October, and it's all about women who lead. It's called Walking on the Glass Floor. So you've either gone through the glass ceiling already or you're getting there and now you're on the glass floor. So how do we get more women there and how do we keep women once they're there? And it's about the seven qualities that um, women have that are leadership qualities that you may not even recognize that they are leadership. Oh, and how can you find me? Yes. You can find me at www.sellinginaskirt.com. I'm all over social media, either Selling in a Skirt or Judy Hoberman. Wonderful. Well, I, I love walking on the glass floor and I will be buying that book and I cannot wait. I've read your other book, but um, I've read one of your other books. So yeah, I'm. this has been really great. You've offered a lot of insights and ideas in a short period of time. And I really thank you for coming on to the Female Insight Zone today. I am so happy that you invited me and I thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.